So open your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 10. We're going to continue our study in the gospel according to Mark. You may remember that uh, one of our, the early church fathers, Papias, and along with about 40 years later, Irenaeus, they said that Mark wrote his gospel because he had listened to the apostle Peter preaching so much, and especially in Rome, that he wrote down, though not in order, but clearly and accurately, the things that Peter preached. And so they come to us through the anointing of the Spirit accurately. Today, we're going to be looking at a story that I've preached on before, that I've actually even mentioned in this series entitled Some Good News about the rich young ruler. We're going to dig into that a little bit more, but maybe with a bit of a different emphasis than we have spoken of in the past. (laughs) Some of you may remember a story that I've told about a young man by the name of Sunday Joseph Otango. Now, this was back in the 80s, so he was a young man, young man back then. He is not today. <clears throat> but Sunday Joseph Otengo was a Ugandan. During the reign of Idi Amin, he was Idi Amin's right-hand man. He was his bodyguard. Sunday Joseph, um, the, basically that reign of terror by Idi Amin was an ethnic cleansing in Uganda. Uh, the church was persecuted. Um, if you've ever read the, the book, A Distant Grief, by uh, Kefa Simpangi, another man caught up in the moment of that era, and he gave his heart to Christ, pastored a small church of about 14,000 called the Redeemer, and he, he was a university professor, became a Christian, impacted students, and then his life was on the line as he began to preach the gospel and see Jesus's church built before his very eyes. Sunday Joseph Atango, about that time, had an event with Christ that completely changed him. And for the next 10 years, God began to do something very profound in his life, actually more like eight years. He, as he became a Christian, he obviously could no longer be idiot means head of his bodyguard, and so he, he began to evangelize but stay hidden from Idi Amin. He recalls, because I know him because when I was at Covenant College, a Christian college in 1981, Sunday Joseph came to America, and he talked about the first time that he ever preached the gospel to somebody, and this person wasn't quite sure whether he wanted to choose Christ or not. And Sundays, in his infancy and ignorance in Christ, pulled out his gun, put it to his head, and said, you need to receive Jesus now. I'm not sure how spiritually coercive that was, but he grew over time, and eventually to the point where in his evangelism, there was so much persecution in his life that he and his family had to flee Uganda. An opportunity came for him to, but only later for his family to. So they had to keep his family in hiding. He fled to America, came to school where his desire was to become trained as a pastor. Now, as he shared this story with the body at Covenant College, I remember us as we were praying for his family regularly. During chapel services, which were every day, we would pray for his family. And about two or so months later, you can only imagine the joy on our faces as we got to meet for the first time Sunday's wife and his children. 
What an amazing testimony of God. These, they, they had been fleeing, including Sunday, for their lives for many years, finally came to America because the persecution had become so intense. And what an encouragement, the fact that Sunday, knowing, I mean, he was, he was the head of, of Idi Amin's bodyguard, he made a hard choice. Many people, though maybe not in America, but in foreign lands, they live in countries in where Christianity, at least evangelizing, is completely outlawed. And in many of those countries, if you were caught evangelizing, telling others about Jesus, you would be put to death. The persecution in the world today of Christians, killing Christians is the highest than in any other generation. Sunday Joseph Otango had to leave everything behind. While he was in Uganda, he managed to live, though under the radar, and eventually he had to leave Uganda and flee persecution. Here's my question to you. You may not find yourself fitting into Sunday Joseph Otango's shoes or Kefa Simpangi as he many times was threatened with his life. Kefa chose to stay there and later come to America to, uh, to become a pastor, get trained and become a pastor. Can I ask you, what have you left? What have you left behind to make that choice to follow Jesus Christ? Now, what you leave behind, you might think, well, I have never had to leave my family. I have never had to leave everything that I owned in order to follow Jesus. Now, Abraham was called by God to do just that. And he had to leave his familiar surroundings in Ur of the Chaldeans. And he left. Now, his father came with him, some relatives. But he eventually, his father died. And, and he had to leave all of them. And here was a man who truly had left everything. Can I ask you, what have you left? Because Jesus says, unless you are willing to leave everything... You cannot be my disciple. Let's look at this story. It's found in John 10. I'm going to start reading actually before the story of the rich young ruler. I'm going to start with verse 13, but I'm going to read all the way through verse 31. I'm reading from the NIV. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, Jesus continues on here. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. 
One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed <clears throat> excuse me, at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. I want you to underline what Peter says. We have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and field, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. As we see this story unfold, we realize that it is, Mark just simply calls him a man. We discover later that he's wealthy, it is in Matthew that we find that he is a young man, and we find in Luke that he's actually a ruler. Now, what type of a ruler, we're not exactly sure. Some suppose that he was a synagogue ruler, though you would kind of think that a synagogue ruler would be more of an older man. Others thought, well, maybe he has, is, is a ruler just in the government. We're not exactly sure. But he has great influence, and he has great wealth. He has a lot to lose to follow Jesus. Now, understand that we find in John chapter 9 an example in which a man who was born blind is healed, and he makes a stand for Christ, and he gets kicked out of the synagogue because, the scripture, as John reminds us, he says, at that time, if you made a decision to follow Christ, that's what they would do. They would kick you out of the synagogue. That means, here's the significance of this, for a good Jewish boy to decide to follow Jesus, he would then be cut off from Israel. That would mean that he would be cut off from the life, the eternal life that God would offer him. And he would be ostracized, and not just ostracized from the people, but from God himself. Now, this is the concept, now this is not true, but this is the concept, of course, that's found in this little phrase, and they were kicked out of the synagogue. Now, this is what the rich young ruler, especially if he's a synagogue ruler, is what he's having to face in this story. He wants to follow Jesus. But he comes, this rich young ruler comes, and he falls down. It says he runs to Jesus, falls down on, before Jesus, and asks him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Can you imagine? Here he is in front of everybody, and he runs to Jesus, 
falls down and just on his knees says, good teacher, what do I have to do to gain eternal life? Do you, do you not sense this desperation in him? Jesus says, interesting, you call me good. Do you not know that there's only one person who is good? Now, can I assure you that one person is God, but can I assure you Jesus is not in any way denying his deity. He is not saying, what are you calling me good for? I'm not good because only God is good. That's not what he's saying. You see, in John 10, it actually, he actually calls himself what? The good shepherd. Jesus was good. He, in essence, is saying, okay, you're calling me good. Do you really understand what good means? He's not denying that Jesus is not denying that he's good. He's not denying that he's God. He is questioning this man. Do you really understand what it means to be good? So what Jesus does is he begins to ask him questions. Okay, so have you been keeping the commandments? You know, like don't murder, you know, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't defraud your brother, honor your father and mother. And he's, oh, well, well yes, yes, Jesus, of course. I have, I have been so good. Oh, yes. And then Jesus, he says, then here's what you need to do. There's just one more thing you need to do. Sell everything you have. Go to your home. Gather all of that silver and gold trinkets, put it in a bag, sell it. Take your BMW. Go, okay, maybe not. Take your really nice donkey, whatever, sell it. Sell everything, sell all of your clothes. Maybe I'll let you have a one Raymond, one, one outfit, maybe one, but your, your poorest one, by the way. Sell everything. And then I want you to give that money to the poor. And the man thought, wow, I mean, just to gain eternal life, to follow you? Because Jesus said, you got to do all of this and then come follow me. Okay, now his original question was, how can I gain eternal life? Now, we're going to get there at the end of the story, okay? Because that's how Jesus concludes this. But he's weighing this. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I want to be good to make it to heaven, but this that you're asking me to do, I mean, in our terms, very religious terms, we would say, well, I got to become a saint, right, in order to, be, in order to gain eternal life. That's absolutely true. Have you, you guys know what a saint is, right? At least traditionally, it's someone who did at least one miracle and followed Jesus, but according to my Bible, it is anyone who believes in Jesus Christ. They are a saint. That means a holy one. So it kind of be, wow, in order for me to become a saint, I've got to, wow, I don't know about this. This is tough. Everything? I mean, Jesus, you like, everything? And Jesus looked at him. And it says that the man walked away sad, but it says, and Jesus loved him. See, Jesus knew what was going on in this man's heart because Jesus had just asked him to do something that was completely impossible. I, I, I mean that, sincerely. Jesus asked the man to do something he knew the man couldn't do. Does that sound a bit unfair to you? 
Has Jesus ever asked you to do something that you just couldn't do? Now, for someone like um, Pat Robertson back in the 60s, he got saved, son of a senator, started acquiring some wealth. He was a lawyer, I believe, and God spoke to his heart. He doesn't do this to everybody, but God spoke to his heart and said, he's married, by the way, very important aspect of this story. And God spoke to Pat and said, Pat, I want you to sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And then I'm going to show you what to do. And so he shares this with his wife. And Dee Dee says, wait, you know, I, I know you want to follow Jesus, but we're supposed to like sell everything, our house, everything, and just give it. I mean, how are we going to move? I mean, we won't have a place to live in. We're supposed to give all of sell the house and give it to the poor. And Pat said, I know this sounds so strange, but God has really spoken to my heart. And as they prayed, God confirmed it in hers. They sold everything. And God began to move Pat in a different direction. You know, you're familiar with the 700 Club and such. And I had the privilege of going to that school there, but he did have to sell everything. So I want to ask you, what have you surrendered to follow Jesus? For some of us, this sounds a little bit like that's not you. you I mean, God hasn't spoken to you and sell, to sell everything. But you see, this is what Jesus was trying to do. He was trying to show this man that he truly was not good. That if you have expectations to make it to heaven on your own effort, you will never be able to make it. There are so many people in this world. I was just talking to an atheist yesterday. I worked next to him. His name is Zach. Very different than my, my son-in-law. But this gentleman, Zach, not to be confused, of course, with our Zach, this gentleman, an atheist, he said, you know what? It just seems so silly for you Christians to have to work so hard in order to make it to heaven. And, and I got a question for you. Now, he's trying really hard to engage me and not overly offend me. And, and I had to reassure him, nothing you say can, will offend me because I think I've heard everything. But we actually had an hour-long conversation. And at the end, by the way, he said, I have never spoken to a Christian as long as I have spoken to you because they usually get offended and we're done. And so I had to confess, well, because God told me to just stay here. And that, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so in this conversation, he's, he says, so you mean to tell me that you're going to do as much as good as you can just so you can make it to heaven, and you just have like this free license now that you've done enough good that, that you can sin, that you can murder, that you can do anything that you want because God promises you eternal life? And I won't tell you what I told him. So next point. And so I, 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 I told him, I said, you know what? The, that's why I, we can never do enough good. I can never do enough good. Do you know why I can't do enough good? It is because I am lost in my sin. I am addicted to my sin. And when I came to Christ, I needed to be rescued. Now, we use the term in, our, in English usually saved. I needed to be saved. Do you see where Peter asks or where the, the disciples ask? Who then can be saved? They're really puzzled. 
if the rich can't enter into heaven because they can't part with their wealth, I mean, how does anybody make it? You see, that's the point. In my good works, and even the world views it this way, just do enough good, and God will welcome you. But you see, that completely misunderstands the issue of sin. And so Jesus had to point this out. Good? He says to the rich young ruler, I'm not sure you understand good. Because number one, you are, I'm paraphrasing, you are not good, and you can never truly, in your own effort, become good. You can't. I'm going on to paraphrase. It's because you're lost in your sin, and you need to be rescued. That word Jesus means savior. It means rescuer. The angel said to Joseph, he says, call him Jesus because he will rescue his people from his sin. Now, you may have heard it said, save his people. But that's the same English word, rescue. And I needed rescuing. This young man who is an atheist doesn't even believe there's a God. He needs to be rescued. This rich young ruler, he needed to be rescued. How? By doing enough good works? No, he needed to come to that place in his life where he realized I have just met my match. You're asking me to do something I cannot do. Exactly. Exactly. Because you see, with man, you're never going to make it. You're going to stay lost in your sin. It's, it's, It's like you're holding on to your sin and you can't let it go. Now, we learned just a few weeks ago that Jesus said, If your left hand or right hand offends you, do what with it? Cut it off. It is better to enter life or enter the kingdom of God with just one, well, one hand than to be sent to the fires of hell with both hands. Wealth in this rich young ruler's life was that right hand, and he was not willing to cut it off. I asked that question. If you remember, I asked that question. If he were to do that and, so to speak, cut off the right hand, if the rich young ruler were to have sold everything he had and given it to the poor and then chose to follow Jesus, and I'm sure Jesus would say, come on, man, you've you've laid down everything for me. Come follow me. My question is, when would he have been saved? When would he have gained eternal life? When would he have entered the kingdom of God? And we discovered that it wasn't after he had sold everything and made all the checks off of Jesus's list of things to do to be good. It would have been at that moment in which he made that decision. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus no matter what the cost. And at that moment, at that point of decision in which I'm going to call repentance, saying this money that I have is my life, it's my savior, it's my addiction, I need to be freed from it. And the only way that he would have been, according to what we're reading here, because with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. He would have had to turn to God and just say, God, I can't. 
change my heart. Did you hear that? Change my heart. This is what Jesus was trying to do. He was trying to get at the root of the issue, the heart of the issue for this rich young ruler. And it's his sin. No matter what good we do, we can never do enough good to qualify for heaven, for have eternal life. Because the problem is not how much good I am doing, it is the sin in my life that I need to be desperately rescued from. Jesus then uses an illustration that honestly in our day has brought a lot of confusion. He says, it's hard for a rich man to enter into heaven. Just like it's hard for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Now, part of the confusion comes because we don't want Jesus saying that the rich or that it's too hard for the rich to get to heaven. But church, that's his point. What we have done, and, and, and I want to be gracious here because we don't want the text to say that God doesn't allow the rich to get to heaven or that it's impossible for them to get to heaven. But Jesus says, you know what? If you're going to try on your own, you will never make it. It's impossible. God has to do something. And so what many have said to kind of soften the blow of this is point to a gate that's in the wall of Jerusalem that has been called the eye of the needle, and that when the sun goes down, all the gates of Jerusalem are closed, but you're allowed to go through this particular gate. It's like a little doorway, and a camel apparently can go through this doorway, but he has the person has to unload the camel of all of its possessions and has to get down on its knees and crawl through. Now, I'm not aware if a camel can even do that, but the, the, the truth is, this goes back to maybe the 16th, 17th century, but the truth is we have no archaeological evidence at all for there being a gate like this during the time of Jesus. There's zero. What we do have, though, is an expression that the Jews used when they were in Babylon. Their expression was very similar to this, and this actually is written in the Babylonian Talmud. And it says that it is easier for an elephant to go through the eye of a needle. The elephant in Babylon was the largest known animal, but now when they come back home to Jerusalem, there's no elephants in Israel. So the largest animal that they have is a camel. And so the expression became, it's easier to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a Excuse me, it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than whatever the next expression would be for Jesus than for a rich man to enter into heaven. Let me just put it in our language today. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle, which church is utterly impossible, utterly impossible, than it is for you to change your own heart, turn to Jesus, and apart from the grace of God, be saved. You will never be able to do that. You will never be able to leave everything behind to follow after Christ. 
And so the rich young ruler, just, just as I'm talking with you, maybe some of you are just saying, wow, I mean, so I've, I've got to run away from home. I've got to leave all my clothes. You know, when I was a kid, I would threaten my mom I was going to run away. You know, she, she disciplined me. I didn't like it. So I got one of those sticks about yay long, and I got a, a handkerchief or whatever, a shirt, and, and I would put a few clothes in it and maybe a little bit to eat, an apple and a banana, and I would tie it up on the stick. You know what I'm talking about? I'd sling it over my shoulder and said, bye, Mom, I'm never coming back, okay? And I would march out the front door, and she would say, okay, Michael, talk to you later. <laughs> no, Mom, you don't understand. I'm leaving. A few hours later, when I got hungry, right, yeah, I would come back. Okay, Mom, I forgive you, <laughs> right? But some of you are probably thinking, well, i got to leave home. I've got to do this. You see, Jesus is trying to show you that in yourselves you can't do this. There are so many people. They say, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. And it's like they're back, they're in the kingdom of God, and then they're in the kingdom of darkness, and then they're in the kingdom of God, and then they're in the kingdom of darkness, and they're back and forth and back and forth. And can I just be honest with you that the truth is probably that they've never truly known Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that as Christians we don't struggle, but that atheist, when he asked me, so you just, okay, so you're saying I, you just believe in Jesus, so you can murder someone, you can steal, you can do whatever you want, and God is going to forgive you. And I have to say, well, yeah, but you know what, I, I think maybe you're asking the wrong question. Because I'm not sure you understand when someone believes in Jesus and they surrender everything to him, the spirit of God comes and lives in them and changes them. Why on earth when the spirit of God has changed me and broken this addiction to sin in my life and rescued me from it and now every day rescuing from my sin and temptation and yes, I stumble and yes, I sin, but the power of sin is nothing like it was back then in my life today. Why would I now... Want to murder someone. Now, the truth is I have gotten so angry. <laughs> right, okay. I have wanted to, but by God's grace, the Spirit of God says, no, Mike. And just so you know, I've, in my witnessing techniques, I've never put a gun to somebody's <laughs> head, if you're wondering. But you know what? I've had to, I've had to face that. And, and at that moment, being so angry, you say, Jesus, help me. You see, when you choose to follow Jesus, you've surrendered everything. He changes you. He changes your desires. You see, this is a God thing. Jesus put it this way. I understand one group just went over John 6. And that's kind of the point right now. And in John 6... Jesus is talking about being the bread of life. He is talking about people coming to him. If you're hungry, coming to him. If you're thirsty, coming to him. And he is the bread of life. And if you partake of him, you'll have eternal life. Awesome. But people began to argue with it. What do you mean you're bread of life? Like, you, you, you've been with God, you're right. And, 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 Jesus has, and Jesus says this, and I'm paraphrasing. The reason why you don't want to believe me is that the Father is not drawing you to me. And can I suggest 
that every proud, resistant man, as long as they stay there, will never be broken, will never come to Jesus. And let me just say this, that apart from the grace of God, you will be just like this rich young ruler. Apart from the grace of God, the Spirit of God convicting you of sin, of beginning to turn your heart, and how much your heart has to turn, and how when does faith coincide with this? In Mark 4, Jesus says it, it, it's a mystery. The seed is planted, and the farmer doesn't know how it grows. God's grace, man's faith. But I know this, that apart from his grace, I will never follow him. If you're saved today, if you've been rescued, it is because God reached down in his grace and he touched you. The spirit of God did something. He brought people into your life who, who spoke the word of God. I remember in, in talking with this man yesterday, uh, day before yesterday, he said, so I don't get it. So you're telling me there's a lot of evidence for following Jesus. But I've asked him to reveal himself to me, and he never has. And I said, can I just say something to you? And I don't mean this proud, but maybe that's why he sent me today. Maybe that's why he gave me the words to really challenge you to follow Jesus. Maybe this is his way of getting your attention. And maybe this morning, this is God's way of getting your attention and your focus to steal your love for him. Because apart from God's grace, salvation is absolutely impossible. And can I just say, for the record, both Arminians and Calvinists agree on this point. Apart from God's grace, I cannot be saved. And so the rich young ruler walks away, and Jesus, Jesus, it says Jesus loved him. Jesus, remember, Jesus created all things. The Father, through the Son, created all things, created you and me, created this rich young ruler. God, Jesus created this rich young ruler to follow him, and the rich young ruler is going to walk away sad because he's addicted to his wealth, and he can't let it go. And he refuses to cut off the hand that offends him and keeps him from the kingdom of God. But Jesus loved him. Jesus wanted him to follow him. And so Peter just, he, he, he concludes with this. Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. Right there, Jesus, right there. We've left everything to follow you, Jesus. In essence, what's in it for us? And Jesus doesn't rebuke them because they truly have. Now, Peter apparently was married. He has a mother-in-law. Whenever they go back to Capernaum or Galilee, that's where they stay, apparently. But he had to leave his wife to follow Jesus to Judea, Samaria, wherever Jesus went. I'm sure his wife was patient. Later on, 1 Corinthians 9, Paul tells us that Peter apparently brought his wife with him in ministry. So it was a season. But Peter had truly left everything. 
the disciples had left everything. Levi, or also called Matthew, left a very lucrative career behind. He was a tax collector. Peter, Andrew, James, John, they left their father's business. That was a big deal for a son to leave a father's business. Why? To follow Jesus. Can I ask you again, what have you left to follow Jesus? Now, maybe you can't count how much money you've left. Maybe you can't weigh it on a scale. But Jesus says that in your heart, you have to let it go. The world, you have to let it go. And that's why I say many times people are back and forth and back and forth because they want to follow Jesus. But on the other hand, they want to hang on to the world for everything in them. And they try to enter the kingdom of God holding on to the world, and you can't do it. Remember that illustration I gave, the monkey reaching into the coconut? Because it's, it's drilled just large enough for him to put his hand in. He grabs the food in the coconut, and he will not let it go. And he cannot swing from tree to tree. And the trappers will kill him because he will not let go of that food. And many, that, that's, that's us if we don't let go of everything. Let it go. Just let it go. Let God's grace be what transforms your life. No more games. No more playing church or playing the good little Christian. There is no such thing. There is dying to self and leaving everything behind and following Jesus. That's it. That's it. I'm going to take the last 10 minutes, and I want to just focus on this last part. Jesus picks up on what Peter is saying. We've left everything. And this is what Jesus, he's, he, he's so gracious with Peter. He says, you know what, Peter? Man, I just, ah, oh, I love you. You know what, Peter? Whoever leaves behind, and there's a list of things here. I'll read it to you. It says, if you've left your home, brothers or sisters, mother or father or children in this world, children is the Greek word technon, not pais, and so generally it's, it can be older children. Like I've, some of my older children are married. They are my children, though they're older children. These, these aren't necessarily young children. Or fields for me and the gospel, you're going to receive a hundred times as much. And can I just tell you this? That when Jesus, what verse is it? Go back to verse 24. He says, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. That's a Greek word again, technon, children. For two reasons, I'm seeing Jesus uses this term. Number one, remember that first section that I read to you before the, the story of the rich young ruler? Unless you become like little children. Now that's the Greek word pais, and it truly means little children. But when Jesus is speaking right now, he wants us to go back. Mark especially puts that story right next to the rich young ruler because he wants us to remember, I've got to become like this little child in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. And can I ask you, like me, when I was a little child, what did I put in my little bag there? 
I, did, did I put my bed? Did I put my, all of my clothes? I put my possessions. That's where I, and it was so little, so little. It was pathetic. But the truth is, a little child, especially a little child, doesn't think about what he has, about what he owns, about what is his, except maybe that special toy. But he doesn't think this way. Okay, so he would put that one toy, throw it across, you know, on that stick, and, and okay. But G- Jesus, he's saying, children, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God because you have to act as if you own nothing. You've given up everything. But then also, on the other hand, children, this word technon means a descendant or a follower. They, the children of God are the followers of God. So do you hear Jesus' heart? Do you want to be a follower? Then you got to become a little child, as if you own nothing. Now, here he says, in the very end, he says, you're going to receive a hundred times. If you do this and leave everything behind, you're going to receive a hundred times as much. If you have let go of everything in your life to just simply follow Jesus, he says, you know what? When you have an issue, maybe finances are tough, whatever the reason, and you need a new roof. I have planted you in the body of Christ so that they can help you with this. And so for several weekends, you know, half a dozen to a dozen uh, of the people here at Powerline have gone over to Yvette's house and helped her with her roof. And you know it's a God thing because two pastors are working together. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Gene, who's an expert at a roof, and me, I have never worked on a roof in my life. I have barely gone up on it. The only time I ever went up on a roof was because I thought I was Superman, and I put the cape on my back, and I was going to jump off. I didn't jump off that roof, just so you know. I left my cape at home. But the truth is, Yvette, you have a family here, and we're a part of that family. I remember when Meredith and I were, on our, were having our 25th wedding anniversary. Now, we didn't know what was happening, but we were blindfolded and then escorted in our van to a location, and they just drove all around Sanford and Lake Mary until they finally ended up at the Sonora Clubhouse. And we walked in, and all of a sudden, we heard over a 100 voices saying, happy anniversary. And they took the blindfolds off, and there was a bunch of people gathered there. We were escorted to the head table. And at one point in this wedding anniversary, Meredith and I renewed our vows. That was very cool. But then they allowed people to just come up and, in their own words, say, thank you for investing in me. And I remember one young man, and he stood up there with tears in his eyes, and the poor guy could barely speak. And it was because this young man had been abandoned by his dad. His dad invited him one time to visit him in Europe. And then on a business call, left him there with no money, no transportation, no way of leaving the country, no relatives around. 
He had to call his uncle who gave him money to fly him. His dad lost touch. His, his dad was this type of man. His dad was abusive. He basically grew up without a dad. And when he came to Powerline, he found a family. And God placed him in my life. I taught him how to build a bunk bed one time. I, 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 I basically said, Bruno, this is what it means <laughs> to be a man of God. Well, you guys know Bruno. Yeah. Most of you already knew who I was talking about. But Bruno and I have cried more than once because he, was, he is like a son to me. And the truth is, you're here, a part of Powerline, a part of just a small local expression of the body of Christ. And we are family. And we sacrifice for one another. We have a moving company, by the way, that many of you have gained access to. How many of you have ever had the Powerline Moving Company move you? Okay, several of you. Yeah, yeah. Me as well. I'm raising my hand. Raising my hand twice, actually. Um, I, let me find my place here. Um, our moving company, by the way, is called One Church in a Truck, right? Yeah. Singles. Okay, two men in right. Singles, you're a part. Many of you are a part of a family. You have dinner over there. And if not, I'm going to encourage you to start building relationships with some of these moms and dads. They will more than gladly adopt you as part of their family. That's who we are. You have left everything to follow Jesus. You've laid it down. I'm not saying that you don't have a physical mom or dad anymore. I'm not saying that. But God has called singles to be part of a family, part of the family of God. We're all connected. We're brothers and sisters. We dedicated a child today who's all of how many months? Remind me. Six months. And we have been privileged by Brian and Aisha to be a part of this little man's life, to be able to love him, to be able to encourage him, men, to show him what godly young men look like. Brian, super dad here, is going to do that too. We're a part of that young man's life. Brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles. And then Jesus concludes and he says, you're going to receive a hundred times what you've left behind, Peter. A hundred times. And in addition to this, eternal life. Now, if you were to go to Matthew 19, where Jesus, where this story is told by Matthew, he includes something that Mark does not. He, he talks about the renewal of all things. That in the Greek is basically the re-beginnings, the palingenesia. You remember the, the word genesis, part of this word. That means beginnings. Pauline basically means again or re, like the re-beginnings. That is when Jesus returns and we have access to this kingdom of God on earth, Revelation 22, forever and ever. Church, think about that, forever and ever. The curse is lifted. The brokenness in this world that's all around you that beckons to you every day to tempt you into the things of the world, that 
is gone. Free, free from sin completely. The power of sin is not just broken, it's obliterated. No more sin, no more curse, no more death. Joy in the very presence of God forever and ever. I mean, there is so much that we could talk about this church. This isn't Satan, you know, having his foot in the door and destroying God's creation so that he has to completely destroy it all and start all over again. Satan will not win that way. Yes, we have fallen. Yes, we have sinned. Yes, there's brokenness in this world, but it's not going to be as if he's going to destroy it all and then recreate, but he is going to renew. He's going to take the brokenness and all that that brokenness, that sin has done to affect God's creationness, and that will be obliterated. So what is eternal life? What is this re-beginning? It is living in this amazing, intimate fellowship, friendship with God himself. The curse and all of its brokenness that you experience every day of your life, gone. Can you imagine that? Why? You were created for this. To leave everything behind and to follow Jesus. I want to just ask you, have you left everything behind? If you're back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, maybe it's because you have not ever left it all behind. You have never allowed that grace of God to penetrate your heart and change you. So I'm going to close in prayer right now. I am going to invite the grace of God to change your heart. Now, maybe you are at a place in your life where you feel the tug of the world so strongly I'm going to pray that God's grace will rescue you from that. It's a grip. You are not an orphan. You are not a poor man. You have received an inheritance. Embrace that. Leave the world behind and take this inheritance. Can you stand with me? If you want to come to the altar and allow God to deal with your heart, I invite you to do that. If you want to kneel before your seat, you can do that. But I want us to pray. I want us to humble our hearts before God. I want to allow Him to minister to you, His grace to break through. Sometimes we just need to rededicate this old heart of ours to him it becomes hard and dried and we just need to be reminded of this message Mike remember you are one who has left everything to follow Jesus so father we come before you we are so desperately in need of your grace God In many ways, we are broken. And by the cross, you're still repairing. The temptations of the world can seem so strong. Remind us 
again today, right now, God. We have given up everything. We have left everything. And we are following you, Jesus. And right now, Father, I pray for those who have never truly left it all behind in their hearts to follow you. Grant them grace. Open their eyes, God. Break their heart. Do what you need to do, God. And win them to you, God. Pull them out of darkness, Lord. Pull them out of the sickness and the brokenness that encrusts their heart, God, and set them free. God, I remember when you did that with me. Hmm. Your grace is so good. Father, today, in this moment, may we respond to your grace and not walk away sad because we had so much that we wanted to hold on to. And so, Father, I pray in this, in this moment, remind us of what you have done for us. Remind us of your grace. You died on the cross for my sin to break my sin. Free me into Christ into this amazing inheritance in which, God, we have received a hundred times more than what we've left behind. And in the next age, eternal life. God, thank you. God, help us right now to respond to your grace. Please, God. Come and restore, renew brokenness and show us again your love.